Politics and Perspective with Chris Johnson. Episode 19 with Dan Sugarman. We talk about all kinds of esoteric spirituality, yoga, and the internal martial art called Shin Yi. Check out his music on the Players Pick Podcast playlist on Spotify. Boom. Players Pick Podcast, episode number 19, with yes. my mother effing brother from another mother, Dan Sugarman. What is up, Chris? How the fuck are you, dude? Dude, I'm fucking great, dude, and it's good to see you. It is uh, really cool to be in your spot, man. We've been talking for talking for years, and I'm finally in the uh, <laughs> the magic room. Yeah, right? Well, this is a fresh new magic room in Hollywood, but uh, yeah, I'm like, I, I came to you, essentially, even mm-hmm. though you left before I got here. And now you're returning. Now I'm back. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I moved to uh, Austin, Texas about a year and a half ago. Mm. And I'm currently looking at places to move back to. But actually just on the way here, me and my girl were talking about expenses mm. and how much more livable Austin is. <laughs> so there's a chance that we're just going to stay in my okay. huge badass house and not downsize by 3,000 feet and pay more. Dude, I don't blame you. Yeah, I don't blame you. I just, heard about, I just heard about the cost of living in Las Vegas. And I was like, say what? Five bedroom a house with fenced yard and a pool for $1,500 a month? Oh, God, dude. <laughs> That's it. I'm like, yeah. Um, I'm paying 13 for a room. Yeah. Yeah. This is, it's fucked, dude. Like, but, I have a massive spot in Austin. It's like 3,300 square feet. I'm paying $1,000 a month. Shut up. Or I could spend $3,000 a month for 650 square feet. Here. In LA, yeah. Yeah. So it kind of becomes like, like that's not enough room for my studio gear. You know, I have too many too many things I'm working on to even fit into that. So I'm trying to find a way to balance that and see uh, where I get taken. But either mm-hmm. way, dude, it's just about finding an environment that I love, being in an area that I love, and being close to people like you, man. Like yeah, I, yeah. There's a lot of reasons I want to come back to LA. A lot of things are kind of pointing me this way again. So we'll see what happens. Maybe there's a way to split the difference, find... Something that's legit here just yeah. because you got some bros and absolutely, you know, absolutely. I'd be incredible if I could find the spot. So I'm yeah. crossing my fingers about that. Well, dude, I know you're like kind of the big new gig that you've had now is this uh, Ice Nine Kills gig, yeah. right? And that's kind of fresh. Like it, you just finished up a big tour. Oh yeah, supporting uh, Falling in Reverse. Yep, yep. The first about that. the first leg of the tour was uh, our headliner, and then we slipped right into the second leg with Falling in Reverse, and it was incredible, man. It was just under three months mm. i uh you know it's been probably three years since i toured last with those butter runs black i was with them for eight nine years doing a lot of touring and then all of a sudden it was nothing and it was home life learning how to like do that whole thing again i was focusing on producing mixing guitar lessons and that whole world and then uh, out of nowhere i got contacted by spencer the mm. vocalist of the band mm-hmm. on instagram believe it or not nice thanks instagram yeah seriously he just <laughs> hit me up with some some nice compliments and I messaged my girlfriend. I was like, hey, this is really weird. I have a feeling this guy's about to ask me to join the band. And within minutes, he's like, do you want to send an audition tape and go mm-hmm. on tour with us very soon? Mm-hmm. And uh, basically before he finished the sentence, I had already sent in three videos. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, and like, it was it was intense, man. I had like a week or so to learn the entire set. I think it was about 13 songs, just under an hour of music with no tabs. Uh, know anything i had to go in and uh listen to the songs and 
slow parts down and pan hard left just to hear like what the left guitar is doing versus the right guitar. Wow. It's a lot of work, but it was, you know, it's really fun to be able to flex your, your musical ear like that and see what you could do with it. Dude, if there's a guy that can do it, I know you can. Yeah. That's I mean, I, I tried the, the band seemed to be really fucking happy. I mean, Spencer just said something the other day. Um, we're actually right after this, I'm heading to his place to do a little more rehearsal for, uh, the 25th anniversary of the crow which is screening tomorrow, no, on Wednesday at the Chinese Theater in cool. Hollywood. Yeah. And they asked us to perform one of our songs acoustic. Whoa. Which is really cool. So we'll be doing that. So we had to uh, kind of like rearrange a song and, and make it all interesting. And we had to transpose it as well. So I'm sitting there with Spencer. He's like, dude, I know transposing <laughs> this and making it like all these guitar parts into one guitar. He was saying, if there's anyone he can rely on, it's me. And I'm sitting uh. there like shaking my head like this is a fucking mess dude <laughs> but that feels good though i mean like that's yeah, part of the struggle of like like you, you that when you get offered uh, a challenge like that that of it's it's actually almost par for the course that you almost have to be in a state of disbelief around yes. like can i even do this yes. like do i do i want to do this like and then then you step into it and you're on the other as you're in the middle of it and, to, and close to the other side you're like oh yeah okay like oh yeah like you said flexing the muscle yeah, I mean, that's that's always kind of been my thing is like whenever a challenge is presented to me, I always try to rise to the occasion and bring my A-plus game to any scenario. And I mean, like even my own fucking music, dude. I remember two years ago you asked me to do a Dunlop performance mm-hmm. and I was like, fuck, I have to learn my stuff in a week. <laughs> and it's like I even listening to my own stuff, I'm like, I can't play that. Well, that's well, that's that's part of the interesting part of being uh, in this day and age too, right? Because so many, especially solo guitar players, Mm -hmm. that are putting out solo records. um, It's it's really great because it a it empowers you to be able to sit in the studio and put it all together yourself, piece it together how you Mm -hmm. want. Have a guest here, have a guest there if you want, or not, or not. Like go both routes. Yeah, go both routes, and but you you stack and layer and stack and layer and do these things, and you create these great soundscapes. But the kind of the, the, the fallback thing is that you didn't spend all that time in a room with four other people that right. were trying to remember and right. rehearse the right. thing, too. Yeah. Oh. And so there's not, a, there's not a collective village muscle memory. No. It's all on you. <laughs> you have to go back and go, maybe open the session and go, oh, the shit. F- yeah, what did I Was do? I in an alternate tuning that? Yeah. Did I just do that on one track on the part, paint it to the left? Oh, oh okay, okay. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm even worse about it because I... My whole writing philosophy is just so off the cuff. So every all of my solos are improv. Um, a lot of my riffing for the songs themselves are improv. I'll just mm. sit there and be like, ooh, I'm feeling one of these kind of things. Mm-hmm. I track an idea and it ends up being, no, that's the take. I like that. One of, one of my biggest philosophies when it comes to writing is capturing something in the moment, not perfection. I feel like perfection is Amen. garbage and it throws everything off. So I'm a huge fan of like humanized takes. Mm. You'll hear fuck ups in my stuff constantly. And I, I find that to be endearing personally. Same. Um, and it allows a little bit of realness and a different type of passion, I think, to come through the music and you can say something different with it. So that's a, that's a huge part of my thing is like off the cuff improv moments that I'm like, oh, what did I do? Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. what accidental note did I, why did I do that? OK, let's. let's well, do I that think again. I think that's part of uh, when you're open to that and you practice being open to that, mm-hmm. then that's like you're what you're essentially practicing is being open to a flow state yes right and that's so, my whole thing right and so allow and i think that that's i mean that's more or less most people that are i don't say most people there's a lot of people that are in perfection game okay yeah. so like like i can't really put everybody but i think 
a lot of the greater players that I maybe look up to, you being one of them as well, that, you, that do practice that are such an inspiration because you are, you're practicing the not knowing and being open to what needs to be played in this moment. Yes. All right. And, and that's, that's a more difficult thing than it sounds. It's like some people would, like, would be like, Oh, that's fine. You know, like, of course you're going to play the thing that comes. Right. But being able to be cohesive and have a sense of cohesion while drawing from the ethers and not trying yeah. to, to do the same thing you kind of know you can do. Yeah. Is that's a delicate art. It's a weird, it's a weird thing to tune into. It's a very weird thing. I always talk about the muse like mm-hmm. a weirdo, but I always find myself just priming my mental state to be able to communicate with the muse. Even if it's just whispering in my ear, I want to be able to hear what she's saying so I could like channel that. Like yeah. I, I personally don't feel like any of the shit that I say, play or do is mine. Mm. I feel like it's something that comes through. Mm. Um, and I think that that's what being my type of musician is about there's many types of musicians but what i'm striving to be is in touch with that mm, i love that yeah that's i mean yeah in a, in a much uh in my own way i i i too yeah i agree yeah. And, I, and that's what i w- i shoot for or i wish for i was just listening uh this morning uh before you got here to your to, to your last record uh your solo record thank you dude. and um i was reminded of one of the things that I, I i think i told you early on that i was like oh you kind of remind me of this guy james murphy yes yes uh, who's one of my all-time favorite guitar players and you're like who and i'm like oh, check this dude out yes and uh it's interesting because i i still hear it but i also to me if i had to like describe you mm-hmm. to somebody else i would say uh a few of the little things that I really love about James Murphy's like trem work and like uh, and legato, uh, and then some of the kind of uh, more expressive uh, moments of like Trey Azigthoth, like where he kind of because he kind of makes there's a, there's like a, a death metal weep yeah. that he has that yeah. you have that you like can make interesting this like weeping like like. I don't know. It's like there's a couple of them that I just I hear it. And I'm like, ah, oh, really? And I, I I I can almost assume that like that comes from practicing that state of expression. Yeah. That you uh, you know maybe it's not it's not a technical thing that you're kind of doing there. It's a it's, feeling. It's a feeling. It's an yeah. expressive. Yeah. You know, it's like a, a emotive quality from deep within that I that can't probably have the finger put on it exactly it, it's it's yeah. a very it's a very weird thing man i mean i as a guitar teacher i'm contacted constantly by people who want to work on trem work mm. and it's a very weird thing to teach Ooh, it's yeah. a it's a it's a weird world of of uh of guitar playing and i find that for me personally nothing that i'm doing on the guitar is me trying to sound like a guitar i think everything that i do is emulating horns and voice that seems to be what I was like. I was yeah. drawn to that as a kid. Um, you know, just hearing a bunch, you know, Miles Davis or listening to, you know, Coltrane or fucking Thelonious Monk or any any old stuff that I grew up on in the jazz realm. Because my dad and my mom were very big in that. Really penetrated deep into my mind early on to where, like, I didn't even want to sound like a guitar player. Mm. It was a weird... And, like, you know, some of my biggest influences are, like, Lane Staley and Chris Cornell as a guitar player. Love it. You know, it. that's it's interesting that you say that. Now I probably I'll probably end up saying this a lot on the podcast with different people, but I I think one of my favorite pieces of advice I ever got was in when I was in school for music. Mm-hmm. I did this little two year thing up at Shoreline Community College, oh, sweet. in outside of Seattle, and uh, my jazz improv teacher 
he he was he was trying to get to know me over a couple of classes, mm-hmm. and he's like, so you know, trying to like understand like what is it that you want to do, you know? And I said, well, I mean, I want to be a good metal player, yeah. you know. And it's like I got a, I'm in a metal band, right. that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, all right. So if you want to do that good, stop listening to metal music. He's like, listen to almost oh, anything, yes. other than that, and and listen to other instruments, yes, because. Uh, it's so easy to stay, w- get to kind of get into the echo chamber mm-hmm. of like, because, and it's okay to love a Metallica riff. It's okay to be wooed by you know your favorite Pantera mm-hmm. song or what Meshuggah, anything that is like your hype. Right. It's cool. That's great. Draw inspiration. Draw the energetic inspiration from that. But then go and get your melodic content elsewhere because if you if you're looking for originality, if you're mm-hmm. looking for some. Your, your own voice. Yeah, if you're looking for your own thing, yeah. you, you have to kind of almost look outside of yes. of your genre specific thing mm-hmm. because otherwise you'll 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 find yourself being that person that goes, Oh, you know, I'm a big dime bag fan, so like so all my tell. all yeah. my riffs kinda you know, yeah. it's cool. And it, there's nothing wrong with that. No. Um there's all of us are to some degree, yeah. but I think I think when it's super on the surface and really citable. I find that I am personally less intrigued by the musician. Mm-hmm. I always like having to sift through to find things. Like one of one of my favorite things that I think my first guitar teacher told me was look for the influences of my influences, mm. which, yeah. is a, which is a very twisted thought. And it makes totally. you kind of have to like dig through stuff. What did they love? Go read some biographies when they're talking about what they listened to as a kid. But another interesting thing that I stumbled on to help kind of define my own unique voice, which is something that I talk to, to my students about is... um. You know, I'll ask the series of questions effectively like, what are your favorite genres? What are your favorite bands in all of those genres? What are your favorite guitarists from those bands? And then the people are like, oh, I see what you're doing. And then in my mind, I'm like, you have no fucking idea what I'm getting you to get to, right? Yeah. And they think that that's the end all be all. And then I'm like, all right, what is your favorite non-guitarist from those bands? Mm. And then what is your favorite vocalist? Mm-hmm. And then like, did you ever see that South Park episode where they flip the food pyramid upside down? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I that, do remember that. That concept, I go, all right, well, well, you think the genre is the most important thing than the band and guitarists. Let's flip the whole thing on its head. I want you to focus on the vocalists, then the non-instrument or non-guitars, and then you can think about everything else as supplemental. Mm. So typically, like, like for me, it's uh, as far as vocalists go, it's like Maynard, mm-hmm. Chris Cornell, and probably Lane Staley. Maynard, he does something called uh, melisma a lot, hmm. a lot of slurring. Interesting. I've never heard that word. Yeah, melisma. Yeah, it's um, it's the the way he like elevates into a note. He doesn't just go like oh, he'll go oh, slides into it. It's like a slat. It's like a slur. So it's very. I do that with my whammy all the time. You'll hear me come from underneath and like not hit it on the beat. Something you could do with a trombone type. Something that you exactly. It's 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 very. It needs to be manipulated by wind. Mm. by air you know it's it's mm-hmm. the human aspect so that's my Maynard thing and then also his like richness just in his tone sure um and then Chris Cornell's power oh my god right yeah. just he hits a note and it just makes you like want to fucking cry and cream your pants at the yep. same time right yep. um and then uh Lane that's mm. my vibrato on mm-hmm. the guitar is Lane's is Lane's voice oh, okay right that makes sense to me and then it's it's very very interesting actually speaking on the vibrato discussion um i was contacted towards the end of my being in as blood runs black right when i was starting doing my uh, solo career stuff and a dude hit me up saying that he did a not a dissertation but a paper on me for his music college 
because he was asked to study one person's vibrato and for some fucking reason he chose me which made me just laugh and feel weird about it at the same time okay. but it was really cool right yeah, that's pretty cool and he uh determined that i'm doing a reverse italian operatic vibrato okay sure right which is which is very interesting <laughs> but if you if you think about it um an opera singer is going to do I can't sing for shit, but it's like it starts really fast and then slows down. Okay. Wait, I'm saying that backwards. Hold on. Yes. Starts yes. wide it and starts, goes narrow. It's yeah. No, or, not not in terms of the the depth, in terms of the rate of the vibrato. Right. Okay. And the way that I think about vibrato is uh, rate plus depth over time. Okay. So like, and this this brings in the whole idea of meter vibrato. Have you heard of that before? Nope. Meter vibrato is like if you have. This is your meter. That's the time part. So rate is how fast it's going in relation to that. And then depth is how deep it is. Mm. So I could go. Right. Like I could go from quarter to triplet to eighth back to triplet. I see. I see. And that's all a way to just emulate the vibrato and make that happen. But um, yeah, this this guy basically found that I'm doing the opposite of what Italian opera singers do. I start really slow. And I'm like playing there and then it ramps up at the very end. So it makes it like, I, that's cool. If, if I had a guitar, I'd show you what I'm talking about, sure. but it's, we've got a few here, but yeah, there's, it's <laughs> not like we're surrounded by them, yeah. but it's, it's just an interesting thing when, when someone else kind of pinpoints something that you do and it makes me just go like, holy shit, where did, where did that come from? Why am I doing that? Yeah. And that to me is the epitome of taking your influences and throwing them in a mixed pot, stirring them with your ingredients yeah. and walking away with something semi-unique. Well, that's, uh, it's also kind of just a, your approach lends it to, lends me to be in like a state of wonderment, uh, just in general, because I love, uh, I love that I had some associations that you wouldn't necessarily right. associate with yourself. And here's this other guy that comes at you and says, Hey, this is like this reverse Italian opera thing. You're like, yeah, what? I wasn't going for, I didn't study yeah. any of that. No, I'm just, I'm just kind of going for what feels cool and mm-hmm. what feels right. And you can compare me to whatever, but like, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I'm just. Just expressing just, over just here. Just doing, just doing me. Yeah. yeah. It's like if someone says that, like, "Ooh, your laugh reminds me of Seth Rogen." Yeah. It's like, who, who's that? Yeah. I don't, yeah. Ex- <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the, cool. All right. Yeah. It's like, oh, you, 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 you remind me of just like a dude that I know. Yeah. You're like, I, I, don't, I don't know that I guy. Know that yeah. Guy. Yeah. But, he's not but my thank brother, you. but yeah. doppelgangers, I guess. Exist, I hope he's also so. ugly. So that's yeah, good. good. Good for him. Yeah. I'm sorry. Good for him. <laughs> Apologies. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's something very um, powerful, I think, about coming up with, or or like a, a game plan of how to come up with your unique voice. And like I've I've been very much about that as a guitar player. I'm I'm super nerdy in that mm-hmm. sense, where I like to dive deep into myself. I don't ever, and I'm gonna state this for everybody. I never learn other people's music since yeah. the beginning of time. I've been. The beginning of time since <laughs> i mean because you've been around ex- at least that long for aeons i mean no i mean billions of years ago you well, were yeah. a big bang bro this i am and now you're now you're dan yeah i am the singularity this so that's is true interesting. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you heard it here yeah um but yeah it's just <laughs> <laughs> jesus since since i picked up the guitar that's been my my go-to is just trying to come up with something unique so it's just it's just always fun to have outside perspectives on how you got there yeah and then being able to be like the nerd that i am go in be introspective and figure out what it is so i could help other people find that is something that i'm a large large fan of it's awesome i identify with that too yeah i I, i've never really had the uh just like i the attention span to like sit there and i would get i would start to learn a kirk hammett solo and i'm like 
because 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 part of me says, oh, I've, I'm this is what I'm supposed to right. do. I'm yeah. supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. Or I'm supposed to learn Dimebag. I'm supposed to learn something that I really love because I love listening to it. But it's like I would get like just a part of the way into it. I'm like, but then I'm gonna I'm gonna learn I'm gonna learn technique, but I'm gonna spend all this time doing this thing that to me doesn't move me forward in the way that I want to be moved yeah. forward. So yeah. the technique part of it is like the catch, right? Like mm-hmm. I know that I there's tons of techniques I have no clue about, haven't pushed into because mm-hmm. I didn't learn those particular styles or, you know, uh, melodic content, you know, mm-hmm. so like, but I, uh, but I've also seen so many players that did do that, and then it's almost they can't almost write; they have to rewrite those solos all the time. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, yeah, see, that's the thing I didn't want to do, and it, you know, whatever. There's all the different as every way to your own bliss, and if Absolutely. your bliss is that, then that yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. But I yeah, there's I there's 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 definitely something in. I'm sitting here thinking like how. Cause I, I Dimebag was fucking massive for me, you know, um, Metallica in the beginning was massive for me. So was Iron Maiden. Like there's a bunch of bands that started me out, but I think what I focused on was unintentionally learning through osmosis Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I could capture or siphon off feelings Yep. and then learn to articulate that myself as opposed to like that one riff and I'm going to just change (laughs) this note and no one will know, you know what I mean? Uh Like I'd rather stumble on that through my own pain and trials and tribulations because it's going to say something when it, at the end, you know what I mean? Of course. And I think the osmosis thing was a big part for me, just being around it or watching the way they move their hands as opposed to where's the guitar world video where he's explaining how he moves his hands. Where's the tabs? Where's the tabs? Yeah. yeah. I just, I want to be able to just pick it up. Mm-hmm. I was all, you know, whenever I was seeing a guitar player I loved, I would always get as close as I could to him on stage, watch the tiniest details in his hands. Cause that's what I was interested in. The efficiency and the the way that they got there more so than like how they think they did. Yeah, no, I I agree, and I love I love studying the just the little things like how how are they holding the guitar? How does the guitar feel, look look like it feels on them? Yeah, because it's not something you can kind of completely answer. Yeah, but like when you see somebody holds it up close, holds it down low, holds it in the medium place, mm-hmm. swings it this way, has this shape of a guitar, yeah, has this type of strap. You know, like all these different things. The pick makes oh, you wonder. Wait, that's something I want to talk yes. to you about. <laughs> I was actually about to do that. That's really yeah, funny. I, I want to know. Uh, tell me your history about guitar picks because that's what um, I feel like is the unspoken story yeah. that this podcast is based around. Absolutely, is, is uh, you know origin story. Like, do you remember your first guitar pick or first guitar picks? Who gave them to you? Uh, and then, like, what was your evolution? Did you? kind of move through a few different things before you got to I where did. you're at now? Yeah. So I have an interesting uh, history, I guess, or an interesting series of, of events that connect sort of. When I was five or so, I was obsessed with the guitar already. Mm. My mom, since I was like a little, little kid around that age, was always telling me I had guitar player hands, Whoa. which is a very <laughs> weird thing, right? Yeah. Um, and she had a classical guitar in the house and she couldn't play. It was mm. just, it was something that I would just like pick up and be like, strumming playing garbage on and they got me um a couple lessons when i was about five or six and i fucking hated it really i fucking hated it oh yeah so i i quit i like swore off the guitar forever and then uh i actually remember very distinctly one of those celluloid really thin uh tortoise shell fender picks yep that was i think probably my first pick probably Mm. lost it immediately 
<laughs> that pick is garbage. But there's yeah. they're they're like the prime quintessential starting pick. You so know what I mean? Before you you quit that first time, you you remember picks during that era? I I yeah, I definitely remember the celluloid okay. pick for sure. Yeah. And then when I was uh, thirteen, for my bar mitzvah, I was getting into music again, and all of my uncles who are all musicians. They all chipped in and got me a Gibson SG. Whoa. Which is like, what a Jew move, right? First guitar, get a fucking <laughs> <laughs> badass Gibson. And they got me a bunch of, oh, and let me get the colors straight. Green Tortex? Uh-huh. Is it like an 88? Yeah, it's 88. And then was blue and then purple? Yep. Okay, so that was my that was my evolution for a few years as I was like, oh, green Tortex for life. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere along the way, I think I got into punk and was like, nah, this is not aggressive enough. I need something thicker. And then I got into the blue Tortex and I started to discover that like if you rub the edge on like a carpet, you could change the shape of a pick. Totally. So I started making sharps myself and I would take scissors and like cross, uh, cross score. I was, I was going to score them. Yeah, yeah. So I could like have more grip. Yep. I was basically making like the flow to be is really what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then um, I started getting metal kind of more into my blood, and I was like, purples, for sure. Sure. Which is what, like a 1.2? 1. 1. So 1. 1.14. 1.14, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. I remember that specifically. So I did that for years um, in my first band, Fallen Figure, when we were a local band. And then we started doing some small uh, touring. We would go to like New Mexico or Arizona or Vegas or something like that. And when we were in New Mexico, we were playing at... Uh, the gathering of the sick fest which is for anyone who was in the scene it was like a really really cool festival like we played with uh fit for an autopsy and burning the masses cool. 10 years ago wow before they were, any band was a thing right right um i think anal cunt played that show oh as well God. yeah ac dude. yeah i remember dude I, my brother showed me that band and i was just like what, what is the this songs are not even 30 seconds and <laughs> And, and it was like right after I found them, like it was the next album that came out that Phil and Salmo was on a song. Oh, yeah. And I was like, well, I guess if Phil likes them, I guess they're pretty, pretty yeah. badass. Phil approved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. It's, it's good. It's a good time in music, man. Trip. When Yeah. Like when, when a band like that would play like a local festival, it was just, it was really fucking powerful for everybody else. Yeah. But um, this dude named Tim, I'm failing to remember his last name he came up to me at that show and he worked for dava picks okay and he uh had we, we had played new mexico several times because we'd done the festival for a few years in a row and he came up to me with a giant bag of just dava picks and was like check these out we'd love to work with you we see you come through here all the time we love your guys band Sick. and i sat through all those picks and i found that i loved the rock control delrins which was like i don't know if you remember the name of those but it has like a little divot in the center and a little bit of a grip. And depending on where you hold the pick, you have every gauge you need. What? Depending on where you choke up on the pick. No, I don't know It was that. a very, very weird concept at the time. And I, at first, was very put off by it. And then after like trying to get used to it, I accidentally did and I couldn't play anything else. Yeah. It was one of those things where it's like, pick your poison and, and that's it. You know what yeah. I mean? So I was playing the Davas for probably a decade. Yeah, you were playing Dava when I first met you. Yeah, oh, I was hardcore. Like, yeah. if anyone gave me a pick, I'd be like, nah, but do you want one of these? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every fucking time. I was, I was like an ambassador for that, right? Yeah. And then, lo and behold, you and I connect Yeah. a couple years ago, and you hooked me up with some picks to try out, and the flow, dude, changed my life. Nice. I cannot, at this point, 
that's my poison. I can't play anything else. Mm. It makes my playing better. It makes me feel like I'm playing better. My tone is better. It's a very, very unique thing. And the evolution of the pick going from like thin ass garbage to what like like 2.0 I, 2.0 yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i just i just lent this uh one of these picks to my brother's or my sister's girlfriend my sister's boy brother oh god Wait. words yeah that was confusing <laughs> my you brother's lent- sister's brother boyfriend no my <laughs> sister's brother who's a guitar player for i set to kill your sister's brother my girlfriend's brother <laughs> did i say that wrong again dude i'm gonna I was like, if it's your sister's brother, I don't have a sister. (laughs) (laughs) I've never even said my sister. What the Uh, fuck? It's okay, man. My girlfriend's brother needed a pick the other day, and I lent him this 2.0, and he's like, he literally couldn't play, dropped it, and finished the set with his hand. Whoa. It was one of those things where he was like, dude, that was like, I'm not a bass player, and I was like, dude, that's that's what you need to be doing. They're the best. That's an interesting thing that's being... Re, like re uh, undone in the minds of guitar players yeah. is like it's been in, in in the artisan market for a long time with that like gravity and a lot of people mm-hmm. making these bigger thicker mm-hmm. um, plectrums, uh, Huffschmidt and um, you know gravity and a bunch of different people. But the uh, a lot up until like the flow. I, I mean, there's, we've done some bigger stuff at, at Dunlop before, but it was never as popular as it is now. And it's yeah. like with, uh, with a guy like Petrucci and Andy James jumping behind 2.0s. Yeah. Everybody's like, wait, those aren't bass picks? Like uh, that uh, in my mind, that's what you would need. But I don't know what it is. There's something about like the, this distance between the pick. It makes me feel like I have to squeeze less. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Something about the way that it cuts through the strings is just like, that bevel. It's just so much better. Yeah, and the way it's beveled too. I was looking at the yeah. tip compared to the picks I used to use, and it's like more like a ballpoint pen the way the tip is, and yeah. it just like f- it flows. It flows. It really freaking yeah. flows. That's yeah. what it does. Yeah, Jimmy Dunlop is uh, good at naming things too, <laughs> as well as making great picks. Yes. Yeah, it was. That's one of the funny things uh, uh, about about working for him is like he, I got, he had that name on a whiteboard for like months and he we went through probably he's like i just i'm i'm gonna make a i got this idea that we're gonna make this next generation of picks Sick. right and i'm like okay cool like, and like he had like five or six different shapes he every other day oh, what about this here shred on this here shred on that shred on this and i'm like oh this one's kind of cool but like i don't know it's a little sticky i don't know that one's kind of cool and it was the shapes didn't look anything like what what we have now interesting and then uh it was all about it was andy james yeah like that he was like hey mate i really need this i i, I used to love those 208s those jazz tones and it's a jazz tone shape right yeah like, but they were always made in polycarbonate they were never made in ultim and uh he's like make make this one in ultim for me and maybe that'll be the thing i'm like all right and then he just handed it to, to Petrucci, and Petrucci's like that's maybe i can't play my picks anymore like you messed me up yeah like like they were in the UK, he, Andy literally had to drive like to the next city to give him a bag of his of his picks <laughs> so that Petrucci could finish the tour. That's incredible. Which is a funny story because Andy's like, "Oh my god, like Petrucci needs my picks, dude. Like, that's insane. I'll, I'll be there on the double. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like like what what a, what an honor to like you truly know, to show up for the man in that way. And then it just kind of you know snowballed from there. And, and it was like once those two had their picks, Jimmy's like, "Yeah, I think this is this is what we've been looking for. Yeah, like." these two guys and let's make all the gauges i'm like yeah and so then like the 73 88s 1.0 all that stuff came in Mm -hmm. um 
and I, I'm just, I'm happy with all of it. Dude, they're, they're incredible, incredible picks. I mean, like I was saying before, my tone is different, playing different, feels different. Mm-hmm. It's just all around easier. You ever, um, you have any interesting moments that you can think of around a guitar pick on stage or off stage or with a student or anything like that? Like, just curious. Um, I mean, on this tour almost every day, like this, this probably just comes from me cutting my teeth as like a, a salesman kind of guy. But whenever people would come up to me and ask for a pick, I'm going to sit there and be like, I use this pick because this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Check this out and hit me up on Instagram and let me know what you think. Sure, sure. And I'm doing that every day with the flow picks. Awesome. Every freaking day. And I've had a bunch of people hit me up saying they bought a couple packs. Nice. You know, and like to me, it's about spreading the good word, you know? Yeah. Good word of the pick lord. Yeah, that that to me, I mean, there's there's nothing better than turning somebody on to something new that's going to help make things easier or more fun or just just flow better. Yeah. Um, Well, that's that's great information. It's cool to know that, again, it's always cool for me to understand that because I I feel like so often um, the best information we get about an artist picks is like, yeah, I play these anyway. So you see my guitar, you see my, amp, yeah. you see my, like, I don't ever know why. Yeah. I don't know like where you come from with that. And like, how'd you get to that place? Because it's not necessarily a, a direct, a straight line to get to a 2.0 flow no. pick, you know, from that Fender celluloid. You know, yeah, so. not at all. And I mean, I, I can recall all along the way of me just going through my pick evolution, people trying to like infuse the jazz pick. Mm-hmm. And that to me was like the ultimate no. For me personally, mm-hmm. like whenever I picked up a jazz pick, I my tone was shit, accidentally pitch harmonics, mm. feeling uncomfortable, feeling like it wasn't in a flow state. Too small. Too small, man. Yep. Size matters. Yeah, it does. Bro. You know? It does. It does. And I, I feel like, you know, just knowing what you like and being willing to sift through the bullshit to find something a little bit different, being willing to be open. I feel like that's that's an incredible path to put yourself down. 100%. And even even if it's just about picks, you know, it's it's only going to open you up to life in one way or another. Yeah, that's rad. Yeah, Thanks I mean, absolutely, flow picks for life. I know we've already started touching on uh, kind of philosophical content here as we opened up, but I'm also like just in general curious, especially with you, because uh, we share a lot of uh, similarities yeah. in the way we we kind of attempt to approach life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm curious, like. Do you have um, do you have a, f- a formula for your for your success or your or your like quote unquote happiness? Like how how do you stay balanced? You know, like what's your vibe like that when it comes to that? Like in anything you can share, it could be a a daily routine or I mean um, thought process. I, there's there's a lot of uh, processes in my life that I feel like are very integral to anything that I do. But one of the more important things. Uh, I find is my mental state hmm. and I have been known to put like three to five hours in the very front of my day before I even look at my phone of just like I'll wake up the first thing I do is go take a cold shower hmm. then I'll walk my dog for as long as I can maybe listen to a podcast and put some good information in my head um, then I'll get home and do a little workout and get a sweat on then I will immediately begin to meditate for as long as I possibly can then I'll do a little bit of Xing Yi, which I've spoken to you slightly yeah, about. Tell me a little more about that. So Xing Yi is uh, like a 2,000 plus year old internal martial art from China, from pre-communist China. Mm. And it's, um, 
it being an internal martial art makes it a little bit different. I'm sure a lot of the, the listeners have probably heard of Tai Chi. Mm-hmm. I, I know you probably have. Totally. Um, tai Chi is in the same family as Xing Yi. So it's Tai Chi is in the realm of this discussion and the way that we talk about it in that world is called the rubber ball as far as uh, metaphors go. Mm-hmm. And if you punch the rubber ball, it's going to reflect exactly what you put into it. And then the next level above that is Bagua, which was the foot soldiers internal martial art in pre-communist China. Hmm. Oh, the uh, civilians were doing Tai Chi. That was like their main thing. Mm-hmm. And then the foot soldiers are doing Bagua. And the metaphor for that is the wire ball. If you punch it, you get tangled which is an interesting concept. Okay. And then a step above that is Xing Yi, which was reserved for generals only, which is really gnarly. And I'll tell you a little bit of the history of how it came into my life. Sure. But the metaphor for that is the iron ball. If you punch it, you break your fucking fist. Whoa. Yeah. So it's like the, the premise of Xing Yi is attack the attack. And it sounds very violent and it can be, but it also completely realigned everything in my body. Like before I started Shingy, I was 330 pounds. What? Within six months, I lost over a hundred pounds. Wow, Dan. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And you attribute it all to this 100%. Yeah. 100%. Through that, I was like, I was going to my uncle Stu's house, um, who is my teacher and he is obsessed with ice cream as well and eating really (laughs) fucking well. So every day it'd be like, barbecue, ice cream, smoke a fuckload of weed, yeah. douching yi. So there's no way I was eating healthier. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Yeah. Okay. It literally felt like, like before I used the word aligned, it literally felt like my, my energy or my chi or my just whatever I'm supposed to be was being like revealed. Hmm. If that makes any kind of sense. Is it, it's like uh, being coming in contact or coming into sensitivity with like your most basic primal energetic qualities or is what's, it there there is a little bit of that but what's even more nuts to me about Xingyi specifically is it's like breathe deeply into your kidneys and then you go wait what and then you put your hands on my uncle's back and his kidneys inflate mm. and it's like what the fuck mm. or he's like exhale through your palm and you go what and then you put your hand in front of his palm and you feel heat coming out of his hand you feel you yeah. feel energetic quality Pulsing out. Absolutely. So, I mean, my, my mind is all over and trying to just like catch anyone up to like how crazy this sounds because I know I'm saying a lot of words like chi and energy and shit. But my uncle's teacher, Sifu Kenny Gong, um, anyone who's listening to this can look him up on YouTube and find some really cool videos from the 70s of him just fucking destroying it. Um, he was the kind of guy who could start a fire with his hands. Wow. Yeah, my uncle saw it in person all all of my my uncle's family has like healing that. miracle stories yeah to be a sifu means you need to be a father or father it means father teacher and to be a sifu you need to be a master of mind body and medicine mm. so sifu was a fucking healer yeah and he was also an unbelievable fighter there's tons of stories that my uncle has told me he passed away i never got to meet him but my uncle is you know keeping his legacy alive absolutely but there's you know no reason it should be in my life other than the fact that when Sifu Kenny Gong was living in pre-communist China, a general was in hiding in his backyard. And oh. Sifu Kenny Gong, not Sifu at this time, probably not even named Kenny, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was bringing like, you know, porridge or something like that to feed this guy. He was walking into his backyard and giving this guy food and to say thank you, this general broke all of the rules of, of Xing Yi, which is 
you need to be 18 or older, you can only teach it to a nephew, and you need to be a general. Whoa. So they're like, he broke all the lineage rules. Very narrow uh, way of being able to pass that. Exactly, that exactly. Down, so Kenny Gong became a master of, of Xingyi by the time he was 18 and started traveling all around China to learn from other masters and paying them to learn from them. And the story that I've heard goes that they would return the money and ask to learn from him, which is very interesting. Whoa. And he moved to America around like age 25 or 30. It was in the 70s. And my uncle, who was just a really sick, scrawny, redhead Jew, always fucking sick, mm. like tons of body problems, tons of stuff like that, just met him on the street. And uh, Kenny invited him to his, his place of, of work and study. And my uncle started learning from him and became one of the, like, the best students he had. Amazing. And my uncle is a absolute miracle he he was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis many years ago he's supposed to be dead right now Hmm. and he they they found him with seven lesions on his brain which is what ms does yeah and he went into a shingy meditative state for about a month and healed himself they went back and got a a brain scan and they were all gone and he's still alive this is this is like 15 years ago that's that's so incredible i that actually uh I, I really do believe in this, uh, the, the mind over matter mm-hmm. scenario. And, mm-hmm. I, and I, I know that there's multiple different practices from around the world that have kind of encapsulated this, but this is like maybe one of the least known forms of yeah. this that yeah. I've ever heard of. You know, I've never heard of Shingy until my uncle. Yeah. You're the first guy. And I don't, I mean, I, I've never, I'm, I, you know, I'm in yoga. Mm-hmm. I'm in like meditation mm-hmm. almost full time all the time, but I don't hear that. Yeah. You know, it's, I've heard a lot about Tai Chi and Kung Fu and all the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tai Chi is its, its you know, famous... Counterpart? Yeah, I mean, well, it's it's literally like the child of it, if you think about right. it. Almost like twice removed to a certain extent, because mm-hmm. it gets watered down every step it goes. Sure. And I know this almost sounds like me being extremely fucking pretentious about how cool Shingy is, <laughs> but in all honesty, it was forced into my life. I don't know any of the other shit. Um... All I know is that everything that comes after it is a distillation of what Xingyi is mm-hmm. in its purest form. Mm. So I'm just I'm just honored and lucky that it like fell into my life, that my uncle is who he is. He's a great teacher. Damn. Um, he's a famous actor, best pianist I've ever heard in my life. He learned from Lenny Tristano. Don't know. Lenny Tristano was uh, taught Joe Satriani. Okay. okay. He, was a, he was a piano teacher who taught Joe Satriani everything he knows about music. My Sick. uncle learned when he was 13 from this guy. Damn. Yeah, and fucking was was the professor at his music college when he went to be a student. They were like, "Can you teach instead?" Kind really? of thing. Yeah, my uncle is like an unbelievable human being. Where's he? Where's he based? Marina del Rey. Okay. Yeah. So he's not that far out. Not at all. No. Okay. Maybe uh, maybe I get to meet him sometime. Absolutely, you would enjoy the shit out of him. Yeah, that would be. He, super would, fun. he would enjoy the shit out of you too. Yeah. Wow, that's re- that is exciting. And and is there. Uh, like any type of form because of the way it's it's passed down is 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 does that inhibit it actually having a formal like center or studio where it's taught not necessarily or is um it my wide? my uncle got the blessing after when, when sifu kenny gong was passing away he got the blessing to completely move forward with it and teach as many people as he can that was kind of like okay kenny's mission wow sifu's mission was okay. to spread it in america and wow. help people because it's like what it did to me, what it's done to my uncle. Like I was saying, there's every one of my family members has like a miraculous healing story that yeah. Sifu did. My mom shattered her pinky once when she was a girl mm-hmm. and Sifu just rubbed it and healed it. Like, what the fuck? And my mom doesn't lie about that shit. Well, that's so. So, I mean, again, I would say that like there's 
this this falls right in line with the the theory like the the, the kind of universal theories of like all things being energy yes right all things uh it, you know that that what how you see and perceive things uh, based on your conditioning isn't necessarily the truth no like that's just your how you're projecting on this particular right. uh state you find yourself in mm -hmm. and when as you're able to like uh i'd imagine uh you know kind of break down uh, the 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 veils of like conditioning and return to a more uh, original state. That's yes, right. Like That's exactly what it felt like to me of of your energetic quality that uh, you can come in contact with the ability to guide that energy into uh, healing and mm -hmm. um, uh, because I, I there's a guy um, what's this uh it's gonna piss me off that I don't know his name now but it, it's uh. Uh, you are the placebo is the name of one of his books, and he's got okay. like five or six books. He's oh, Doctor Joe Dispenza. I've heard that name. Yeah, so he's he's on that level. He was a he's a chiropractor that um, was out riding his bike. He was in he was in a, a race like he used to do these road bike races, and uh, in 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 the race he got uh, directed to go ahead and make a turn by like somebody, and didn't that person didn't know that there was a, a car coming. And he got rear-ended oh, by fuck. like a like a car like a like a pace car type thing for the for the bike race, and it knocked and it like he broke his spine oh, and like all these different things, fuck. right? And this is a chiropractor that knows all about this stuff. And when he came to and was in kind of faced with decisions in the in the hospital, he had been uh, told that there was no way that he couldn't do surgery. Like he had to do surgery. There was all these different shattered things going on along the spinal column. And he said, like, look, give me some space and you think about it. Because he also was – chiropractors are notorious for, like, I don't necessarily need to need surgery. Like, they, they, they're always trying to get out of surgery right. and try to do things kind of in a natural way. Mm -hmm. At least the best ones are. Uh, and he, he made the decision to, to, to just meditate his way through it. Wow. He healed his spine in, like, some, like, 8 or 11 weeks or something like that. Was walking. Shattered did, spine. Did everything, that, all the things that they said that was not possible without surgery, and that even if he got surgery, he wouldn't necessarily be able to do, which I actually believe more of, that you get the surgery, you cut into the thing, you don't allow uh, the energy that created the body to heal the body, mm -hmm. uh, then, then you, you, you interfere in a weird way, yeah. you know, and, like, you kind of screw it up. Yeah, absolutely. So... I don't know, it, just another kind of offshoot concept or thought. No, I mean, it, it totally, totally makes sense, and it's completely in line. And I mean, all of all of the energetic stuff that you're you're talking about right now is exactly what I bring into guitar playing, into performance, into writing. Like, that stuff, to me, is what this is about, is trying to find a way to, like, align with that and project it in a performance. You know, you want everyone to be just sucked into whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And I mean, some of the best shows that I've ever been to the room changes the electricity in the air changes you know what i mean yeah. and it it's infectious and you walk away thinking like what the fuck did i just witness like i need more of that i need to create that myself and those those things to me are exactly why we're probably both sitting right here you know what mm -hmm. i'm saying totally it is the most powerful shit i i have to 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 think about like um guitarists that i've seen that like i feel utilize that but maybe not had the type of labels 
most likely didn't have the type of labels that we're attributing to right. what we what we're trying to right. point at. Mm-hmm. Like I would say, Dime was definitely one of those guys that that had. And again, it's it's is it kind of just con- that's why it's easier to say flow state. I was about to say flow to state, me, it's just flow state, right? Because there's there's that thing, but like you know, as soon as you as soon as you uh, want a label or want or go oh i'm in a flow you're not in a flow state no. anymore so it's it's the it's the thing it's one of the harder things to convey yeah. because it's not a doing it's an actual letting go and i think that that also probably parlays into the shin yi uh, that, that, that is like not trying to grasp probably uh so much and trying to like forcefully do a thing it's more about like what is present and how can i uh allow it to flow into the right direction can i maybe you know, favorite this yes. direction. It's it's so ironic you're saying these words because the way we talk about it is being consumed and doing rather than being. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what a performance is, or that's what playing guitar, that's what writing in your flow state is, is just being fully there as being and not consumed in what am I doing, why am I doing, what should I do? Just fucking be. Mm-hmm. And that shit will come out of you in the purest, most non-confrontational non-aggressive way possible it just it just is and i think there's something to be said about the flip side of that you know like walking into seeing a show where like the just electricity in the air changes in the in the good way mm-hmm. i'm sure you've seen ones go the opposite way too totally you know everything there's five different problems on stage vocalist is losing his mind audience isn't participating like all yeah. of these things like i think it has to do with being in the uh opposite of the flow state or the, or the negative version of that maybe and and maybe the extreme opposite is something like a try hard situation yes. right like yes. it's like and and you see this in our environment in our in in, in the realm of uh players and bands and uh, achievers in 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 the creative space yeah. that, that we both kind of are in this similar circle mm-hmm. that uh there are those that like and you almost kind of have to be a try hard in the beginning like that's part of the deal, right? Yeah. Because somebody somewhere along the line taught you to do push-ups, and then you you saw your chest get a little bigger, and you're like, ah, so I do, so I get bigger, so yeah. I'm stronger, so I'm smart, so I know the answers. Mm-hmm. So everything is about like just asserting my will on the environment to get what it is I want. Yes. Now there's because and because there's a certain amount of like potentially like measurable success quote-unquote success that can come from asserting oneself that's why we have like the wall streeters that's why we have the big banks that's why we have like the unfortunate uh state of events in politics mostly is because it's power over i'm going to assert myself yes. over yes and, w- and and try to try to swing things through my will my will because if i don't do it then it's apathy, right? Because like, like we've been lied to, Shit, right? Yeah. Like there's an element. So the so so that side of it has created such a conundrum for the rest of us mm-hmm. that it just would rather like try to get in the flow of things. Mm-hmm. And so you know, and it's and I don't think that you can necessarily be one way or the other. It there's definitely a balancing point, yeah. right? But but if underlying all you're doing is an allowing, I think you're probably at your best state. Absolutely, you know. This this discussion too is is bringing up something that I that I talk a lot about, which is effectively practice mindset versus performance mindset. Mm. Everything that we're talking about, try hard, that whole like you know forcing your will, that's what practice is for. I think practice right. is is a place for high expectation, 
and a place for you to fall short of those expectations privately and be like, tomorrow, that's my bitch. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make this happen. And the second you step on stage, drop all expectation, be, stop worrying about doing and things shift for the better in my, in my personal experience. Yeah. And just the lowering or dropping of expectation, I, for me was my biggest lesson. Cause I used to like, I can specifically remember a time when I was in his blood runs black, we were on tour in China and an amp was brought for me to use. Or I should, I should rephrase. They brought like five in the end cause it just, <laughs> none of them were working. Got They'd it. have to get another one. And I was getting so fucking mad that my band literally pulled me aside and they were like, dude, you're like making us look really bad right now. You're making us look like assholes because you're so angry about no no amp. Yeah. And I'm like in my mind justifying it like, well, I'm fucking here. I should have a working amp. What the fuck? Yeah. And the second I calmed down, the first amp worked. <laughs> you know, and it was just immediately like a smack in the face, yeah. punch in the balls. And I learned a very big lesson that day. And it's really just like once you're there for performance, just be. Yeah. Just be there. Just be willing to accept and allow things to happen and be there as, you know, in, in service to everyone else coming to see something entertaining and have fun. Adaptability. Adaptability. Yeah. It's, and that's something that I had to learn in the midst of being an environment that was not conducive to Man, adapting, you know? That's a good story because like I uh, recently, I mean, moving here to LA has been a bit of a challenge. <sighs> I, I lived uh, in a in Sonoma County on the edge of uh, uh, beautiful Santa Rosa oh. 40 minutes from this amazing coastline which is it, th a lot of that is here but it's you know what's in between here and there yeah, yeah <laughs> it's yeah. like from Hollywood to, to Santa Monica or, or Malibu whatever there's a lot of you know a lot, a lot of other obstacles and it's not as beautiful of a drive no it's a different thing mm -hmm. um, not greater or worse I prefer the you know like the beautiful redwoods as I'm yeah. right oh right, my god the whole deal but I found uh, life kind of challenging me, you know, in an inter interesting way. Mm -hmm. went, as soon as I showed up here, both through the kinetic energy of like having so many more people around me, like in addition to roommates, and the the, the 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 neighborhood is more chaotic and crazy, and like there's just a lot of things going on. Dude, L.A. is consumed in doing. Yeah, other places. Like yeah, where you're from, a little that's, more being. Yes, yeah, you know, absolutely. I, I mean, the Bay has got its own. It, everybody's everywhere has got its thing, but I, but I, I, I would just try to like riff off of the the concept of like uh, stressing out and 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 having a actual muscle contractions and getting stressed out, like yeah. where your your forehead like comes oh, yeah. together, your jaw clenches a little bit. You're you like you want it. You want to like muscle through it. You mm -hmm. want to like yell at somebody. And say, look, motherfucker, this is how it should be. Don't you know who I am? Who I, I think I am? I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> who I think I am? Yeah, exactly. And and like, you can't treat me like this. Mm -hmm. My amp is supposed to work. Yeah. Like it's supposed. To, like I came from America. I'm in China, dude. Yeah. This like, <laughs> you know, like that's exactly that's exactly my headspace. Like, <laughs> dude, that was thirty hours of planes. Like, you're not gonna have a working amp for yeah, me. Yeah. It's it, not their fault. No. It's nobody's fault except wanted, mine for being like expecting a working fucking amp. And yeah. I made it I made it my enemy instead of like, what do we need to do to make this work, you know? Right. And they they obviously wanted the first amp to work perfectly, didn't want you to go through any of that. No. And because they're embarrassed at the same time that you're getting upset. Mm -hmm. And I find it funny for myself that like uh it's always it's almost always the counterintuitive move 
that is the thing that actually allows for the thing to work. It's that moment that you give up. Yeah. But you have to. But the problem is you have to create the tension so that it gets released. And so that's the. On the other side, that's the kind of weird, little mini weird paradox yeah. around all this stuff. Is you you kind of have to get pissed. To, and then let go to to have that contrast between the two experiences to actually learn the lesson. Had you, I'm not twisted. saying that not saying that it wouldn't be sweet if you just rolled in and had it all super zen, calmed out, right? And it just worked, and you're like, ha, my shit works all the time. But there would be some other tension that would arise right. that you'd have to release. Yeah. And um, so like getting here, I had a couple run-ins with roommates, and I was like, ah, you know, like these are things that you should. No, and mm-hmm. I'm assuming, and I'm right. Like, I had to build this tension and get pissed at you, but like I almost as it comes out of my mouth, I'm I realize how much of a dick I'm being, and I'll calm down. Yeah, yeah, I'll help. I'll take the trash out. I'll do the right. things, you know. But yeah, you're you're super on point, though. You can only bring non-resistance to the table if there's resistance there, right? Yeah, that is a twisted thing to consider, Dude. and I appreciate you pointing that out. Yeah, if, like shadows only show up when light is present. Shh. Like yeah. that's a, that's a really, well, that one blew my mind when, yeah. Goosebumps, dude. <laughs> I can see him from here. Yeah, dude, those are that's, solid. Yeah. And so and th- that's also one of the things that I have to constantly remind friends and myself is especially with friends that are struggling that like will call and be like, yo man, like stuff is all going wrong right now. I just stepped into the room and like everything went wrong. And I'm like, wow, what a bright light you are. That's incredible. Yeah. Like they're like, what? And I'm like, no, no, like that's, you see that when you showed up, that like all the shadow showed up because you, how bright you are. You have to actually just take a step back and realize if I'm going to be this bright of a light, it's going to evoke massive shadow. Like there, yeah. it, it happens. You see it with Martin Luther King Jr. You see it with Gandhi. You see it with anybody. Wow. These people that show up and they go, you know what? I'm going to burn regardless, and I'm going to sh- I'm going to I'm going to give you everything I got, and then it evokes John F. Kennedy get shot. Like different people, you could you could time and time again. The, the light shows up and it, and, it, and, it, and it evokes an equal amount of darkness mm. that tries to like think. I think we're, strangely enough, I don't know that it's equal. It's what, or it's close to equal. Right. I think we, the light tends to kind of always just barely win. So far, so good. I anyway. think that's, that's the balance of the universe, <laughs> yeah. hopefully, right there. Yeah. And I, I'm sitting here tripping out on just the synchronicity of this, but you have a thing on your wall right there that says never give up. Oh, yeah. Dalai Lama. Which. Quote. Which not only pertains to what we're talking about now, mm-hmm. but that was also my mom's line. Really? Who who passed away about my two mom, and a half years yeah. ago and and to be talking about this and seeing this is just Yeah. That's a fist bump moment right yeah, there. Yeah, totally. Wow, man. Every time I'm with you there's a little bit of this, right? Yeah. At least. We've we felt it from the first couple of phone calls yeah, and talks dude. on the on on the phone and like through the, the interwebs and mm-hmm. stuff and uh yeah, I'm I'm thankful to to have that chemistry with you. Absolutely, uh, it's it's really sweet. That's again just more energetic discussion, right? Yep. Fucking people are probably just pulling their hair out listening to this. <laughs> fucking hippies! God damn it! But do these guys actually play guitar? Yeah, like kind of shred though, right? Like, <laughs> what's this guy named Sugarman? Like, let's. Oh damn! Okay. Yeah, it's meditation metal. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> And but anything is that's the beauty of of any of this. Like part of what I uh, I'm really like kind of playing with in my yoga practice and with yoga teaching and stuff too is that like it's all your point of view, like your like point of view, point of view, like Y O U, point of view yoga, right? Like what 
hey, this is where the union happens, but this is also where the perception can change, yeah. can alternate, mm-hmm. can. Uh, it's like if you don't like where your head is at, like mo- you move your body, like yeah. mo- like. And I, I say that in a in, in a kind of a double entendre way, like like literally, if you don't like where the head is at, go for a walk. Dude, I have this thing right? ingrained in the back of my eyeballs. Feeling follows action. Hmm. That's that's exactly what you're saying. Yeah, totally that. Yeah, Yeah. because uh, and it's just we all have these little interesting aha moments that come, uh, and and oftentimes it comes with new uh, insight, new Mm -hmm. somebody saying uh, saying, describing the same thing maybe you've heard a thousand times, which is always a really interesting release. Is like absolutely like, and you know this through guitar teaching too. Like Mm -hmm. uh, you've had a teacher come along and say, ah, you know, like a D major can be played that way, but you can play it like here and here and I'll invert it here. And like, oh, did you see it with the, with this note on right. the bottom? You know, right. it's like, it's still a D major, but it doesn't quite look like it, does it? You know, and you're like, oh my God, mind my, blown. Yes. Perception changed yes. forever. Mm-hmm. And I see that and I hear that and I feel that in, in yoga and the teaching and the practicing and stuff too, mm-hmm. um, that, that oftentimes a good practice, a good physical practice, a lens it self to a a mental uh like calming and and, cre- and a creating of space that allows for for a different way of seeing things to come in like i always often try to like let people know it's like i i don't want you necessarily to f- like like people talk about like wanting to fill their own cup and i get it like that that's great like because that's a kind of a, a rugged individuality type of thing yeah. but i'm always looking for you to empty your cup uh, especially in practice because uh, it's the thing that we don't give enough value to is space and stillness and silence. Right? right. The thing because that that seems empty to us. Right. But it's the thing that actually allows for um, a, a, an amazing happening. Uh, allows for a new experience because if if my if your if your room is always full of your your regular shit, mm-hmm. like you, it's not very conducive to new activities. Not at all. Right. So yeah. You know, it's just these little things. Yeah, I, I say this to my students all the time, especially the ones that come in. And I'll be like teaching them something. And they're like, oh, like this. And I'll be like, dude, you know the saying, empty your cup? Hmm. Just dump your cup into a bucket. Yeah. And then you'll feel completely fucking different. Like to me, the whole like empty your cup is like, walk in with no mind. Be one. And sure. all this shit. <laughs> like to me, it's like, no, just dump your shit into something that's so big that makes you feel like you know jack shit again. Yeah. But don't lose what you know. I don't want you to forget what you know. Right. And that that shift is, I think, massive because it allows people to feel in control of taking taking on the challenge and doing something with it. You know, begin again. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. It's well. It's like a little bit of begin again and a little bit of like, but without starting over. Right. No. I, I, yeah. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. Because like, if we we're starting over, I'd have to teach you how to walk again. Yeah. But like, you already know that. But do you already that. know how to walk. Yeah. Like, you're already here. You're at this point. Mm-hmm. But like in this particular realm of consciousness and thinking. Uh, just start over. Just begin again here with me now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you already have. You know how to hold a pick. You know how yeah. to hold the guitar. Yep. You know. You know how to tune it. Mm-hmm. Like those are good things. We're starting from that place. Right. But like other than that, like let's just just start on a new journey today. Let's write a different chapter mm-hmm. uh, and see what that's like and and explore experiment with mm-hmm. uh, these alternate routes. Yeah, man. I mean, as a teacher yourself of of yoga, I mean, I find that experience, the student teacher relationship, to be so rewarding. So med- meditative, so uh, reinvigorating in so many different ways. Like to me, it's it's such a powerful thing to help anybody understand something they didn't know, mm-hmm. and to see what they could do with it and what they could create with it. Like that to me is one of the most powerful things that I think we could do as humans. 
Amen. is help somebody else figure something out and do something with it. And I find guitar to be perfect for that for me. Yeah. You One know? of my favorite things lately, actually, just to share this is like, uh, I'm, I'm notoriously a, a, a big fan of Alan Watts and I'm like constantly studying his, yes. his lectures because mm-hmm. they're so dense. Uh, and I love the sound of his voice. It's soothing to me. Mm-hmm. And the fact that nothing's okay makes it okay type of thing with him. Like, it's like, it's like nothing is safe. You know, there's no safe. There's no security mm-hmm. here. There's not. So that in that way, we're all equal in that way. But one of my favorite things comes from his very first book. That he wrote, he wrote or finished it like when he was 24, 25 Jesus. in the four in like the mid forties, the wisdom that guy had incredible. Like he, he must've been like some kind of like extra old soul right by the time he hit i like, thought you were gonna say extraterrestrial well that too <laughs> could be extraterrestrial but what his, his whole uh thing that i've been starting to infuse in in classes and in, in in my philosophy around things because i really like the way it's painted is that um one of the greatest things that we can give to one another or to uh help encourage in one another is the freedom to be exactly who you are right now to be this mm-hmm. because in that uh because there's there's so much that we we aspire to be you know like oh i'm i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna feel okay with being good when i finally learn that certain arpeggio or that certain song or i write i finish the album or i i, I learn a certain yoga pose or i i i, I fight in my brazilian jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. and I, I finally win over that guy or this level or i get to the black belt or mm-hmm. like there's all this forward projection into like i'll i'll be complete when i'll be happy when mm. and and uh that the never get there yeah no yeah you, you, you never arrive right so like in some ways, in modern uh, Western thought, we, we, we see that as like a good thing to kind of Striving, dangle the carrot, yep. to dangle the carrot and always be dangling, always be achieving, all, you know, always be hustling, mm-hmm. rise and grind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, that's an entry level way of getting at mm-hmm. it and considering. But with this, we, when you're free to be who you are right now and, and we move into, into towards total acceptance, even like accepting before you even accept yourself. Yeah. Like, so the, 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 the place that you're at when you're kind of upset with yourself and you're digging, mm-hmm. accepting yourself in that place. So to be totally inclusive, mm-hmm. not, not, not the, the Dan that's post like, okay, you're right, bro. Like yeah. I, I was, just, I was a little shitty. Yeah. I was a little shitty. No, like except the guy that was being a dick five minutes ago yeah. like, to himself and to the neighbor or mm-hmm. whatever that, that acceptance through that actually is that total complete freedom and actually can move one into uh, a potential like Buddha, like state Buddhahood, yeah. you know, modality through that suffering. Is, yeah. Yeah. You, cause you're not in resistance mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. and, and granted like the resistance will come on its own. Like life will, will grind yes. on you yes. no matter what. So, yes. you, so if you, you can, just, ha- you just have to rise and it will grind. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I do rise and I do yeah. grind the coffee yes. morning. Yeah, that's morning. it, though. Yeah, but yeah, like it is. It's it's kind of a fun, interesting way for me to move towards that, uh, towards a lighter state of being. Yeah, uh, is is to kind of implement that and and try to revisit it as often as I can and offer it to my friends, family, students. Yes, so on. Yes, absolutely. There's, I mean, the, alchemy. Does that does that mean anything to you? Yeah. Yeah, I I personally, and this this is something that I talk to very rarely to like some of my longer students, but that to me is what 
this is all about is just finding a way to be like the ultimate alchemist to anything dark like through music through through making something through creating through sharing yourself with other people you can turn that shit into something positive you know Mm -hmm. turn turn shit into gold so to speak and you know everything that i've done musically up until this point has absolutely been that like the record that you were just listening to center sun Mm -hmm. i uh wrote that entire record in six days wow uh two days after i found out that my mom's brain tumor came back oh man and it was I quit as Blood Runs Black that day and I started working on this record because I knew that I needed to be home to take care of her. Mm -hmm. And those songs on that record, those six songs, um, were created in that order and that's literally my like arc of coming to understanding my grief and coming to understand where I'm going with it, what I want to do with it. That's why it starts in such a dark, twisted place and it ends with such a happy, uplifting Mm -hmm. song. You know, it's Mm -hmm. it was me literally coming to that conclusion that like this is what's meant to be. And by literally sitting there and capturing that on those six days, I was exercised of something that was fucking me up inside of me. You know what I mean? And music has always been that sense. Like I will only ever create if I'm compelled to through something. Mm. Um, And inversely, I'm also a huge proponent and fan of the idea that you know, if you build it, they will come mm-hmm. in a certain sense. Same. So like there's a certain uh, part of me that will just be like, just sit down and start playing. And those things that have happened in your life will come out as they need to. But at the same time, like I'm a, I'm a huge user of something like a situation around me right now. And that's all my music has ever been. Like the record that I'm about to release soon, Inside Out Part One. Um, I wrote those six songs leading up to the passing of my mom. And the sixth song wasn't finished when she passed away. And I finished it a few days after she passed. So there's like literally those two energies in Mm. that song. And I can't listen to it. That's why I haven't released the record yet is because to sit down and work on the mixes and get the details right and all that shit, it puts me in a place, man. But it's a lot of work. It's a lot of fucking, it's emotional work. Yeah, that's what, it's a lot of internal work. Yeah. Like your Shin Yi is, uh... you know, and, and I didn't even really finished talking about this part but you know six months ago i was in the darkest place of my entire life wow i couldn't leave my house without passing out from anxiety i was having panic attacks to where i would try to go to my car to go somewhere and i would find myself on the floor in fetal position Whoa, past like literally couldn't leave my fucking house dude and that's when i started this routine that i was telling you about where i was like i'm gonna take three to five hours every day Mm. to get my mind set for the day because i wasn't taking care of myself i was just grinding wasn't rising i was just grinding yeah you know i didn't rise to any occasion i was just sort of there going through the motions and it chewed me the fuck up and spit me out and i did the work to prepare myself mentally and physically and in doing so so many things changed in my life Mm. you know like me and my girlfriend's relationship we've been together for six plus years it's better than ever since this um right when i got my head right all of a sudden i'm offered to join this band Mm. (laughs) Um, you know, I'm here in LA with you. Like there's so many amazing things that are coming out of just like changing my internal compass. Yeah. For lack of a better word. Your point of view. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it was, it was terrifying, dude. I can only imagine. I've had a handful of anxiety attack type scenarios that until I had them, I didn't understand. Yeah, I thought it was bullshit. I I honestly did too. And it was, it was until, uh, it was a relationship thing probably like four or five years ago, the first time I really, really had it. And I was just couldn't sleep for like 
two, three days, and I was just like, that made, and I, and I'm a person that absolutely has to have sleep. Yeah, and just, the same way. I was like a different person. Like it's like not was it, and, and so in, once you get to that state, or even begin to enter that state, to pull yourself out of it is such an interesting, questionable thing that like you know it also and it, and it, it speaks to like the the conundrum of a depressed person that that. It's like so the mind that is depressed can it be can it be trusted to know what it needs to get back to a state of normal normality you, you know what's right? fucked like, up <laughs> is there was a moment where my girlfriend came out to visit me in Austin and I felt all of that burn up really and it it was it was like a big bang moment like like I hit my deepest darkest place ever mm-hmm. and it, everything like imploded and I was fucking worthless. I was literally like telling my girlfriend those words. Wow. Like I'm fucking worthless. Like I don't want to do this anymore. Like I don't want life. Mm. Like I'm over all of this. And through all of that, like I had this out of body experience where I heard myself saying this shit. And I was literally like, mm. that's not what I believe. There's mm. something else doing that in me that's saying that. And that was like that big bang thing. I felt like something imploded and started again. And I took the initiative to like, take care of myself you know and I was like all right I'm you know 27 at this point I'm living on my own I should probably get health insurance and go see a therapist right sure you know so I I took the steps to do so and the marketplace website fucked me didn't allow me to get insurance Uh, so I'm sitting here in a place where it's like I I could have killed myself you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. like I thought about it which is really fucked up. But I, I want people listening to this to know that like we all go through this shit. And I sat down and I determined that I don't need anybody else's help. You know, mm-hmm. a- after being told that I couldn't get help, I was, you know, that obviously fucked me up. Right. And I just took it upon myself to do what I could to pull myself out of it. And one of the first things that I found that helped was something called Wim Hof breathing. Oh, Wim Hof is the bond. He's the master. Dude, literally within two days. Of doing that, that's a, is that I where was, you get the cold showers yes, from too? Yes. Oh man, because I do that. That's my whole my whole yeah. morning routine is based on Wim Hof. Um, literally changed my life within two days. Wow. And I'm gonna I'm gonna be a, a douche and say this because it was really powerful Go to me. It. But I I felt so compelled by it that I just made some posts on Instagram about it, being like, guys, this is what I was just going through. I truly feel like it pulled me out. Like I feel like I have control again. And I had hundreds of people hitting me up saying that they pulled themselves out of depression. Dude, I had some people who were suicidal saying they pulled themselves out of it. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievably powerful. I love that you just shared that uh, for a, a whole host of reasons because I believe that pranayama, uh, which is breath control and yoga, mm-hmm. uh, is is one of the number one uh, potential like uh, like healing tools mm-hmm. that one can practice. Oh, and there's absolutely. like so many different little methods and different ways and. You might find uh, this one in particular does it for you or mm-hmm. a combination of these things. But uh, we underestimate like our breathing patterns and, and, and we actually don't recognize I mean, most of us listening uh, and most people in the, in, around us have never been uh, guided through any type of breath mm-hmm. exercise mm-hmm. other than take a deep breath. Right. Right. And but, it, here, what's crazy about this, I'll be really, really quick, no, is that saying is now being proven to be bullshit because (laughs) one breath does nothing but there is a japanese study that just found out that six deep breaths physically changes your uh 
your neurological mm. system. Mm. So like, let's go ahead and change it to take 60 breaths and it will actually do something. Yeah. Which is really, really powerful. And that's, that's to me what speaks uh, so loudly about Wim Hof is personally like my whole Xing Yi experience was just 3D and real. You know, I'm learning how to breathe from my lung into my heart, out of my hand, and all these things that I can feel. I could physically feel my kidneys going. I could feel uh, my hand bubbling and when I'm exhaling out of it, all these weird 3D things. And it becomes like, you explain this to someone and they're like, dude, you're a fucking maniac. Yeah. Like, I think you should see someone about this, right? (laughs) And then Wim Hof comes along talking about, quite honestly, a lot of what Shingy is doing, Mm -hmm. except he's giving you science-backed, by hundreds of studies yeah. with tons of uh, volunteers and witnesses and people who have healed themselves. Like to me, it removes any question that someone might have about how much of a hippie are you in ton- Yeah. Yeah. Right. And tons of personal demonstration. Yes. Oh my God, like, dude. From that guy being able to withstand these sub zero temperatures in in a, like in his underwear. Dude, have you or- heard, have you heard the story when he uh, was swimming under three feet of Antarctic ice? No. Because he wanted to prove that the cold didn't bother him. So he he goes down, <laughs> and this was a test run. He was just practicing for it, right? So the, the, the safety divers weren't down there with him for fucking some reason, right? Whoa. He goes down, immediately his retinas freeze over, and he's lost trying to find the hole under three feet of Arctic ice for nine minutes. What? One breath. What? And he found it. He found the hole. Well, apparently he's still around. He's still, yeah, <laughs> they say. They say. And even crazier, on top of the whole he's still around thing, he has an identical twin brother. No shit. Who doesn't have any of what he has? I didn't know that. Which is like the universe throwing the middle fingers, being like, "You guys need to open your eyes. Like, here's an A B to test what is going on and what the mind and body can do when you right. put yourself to work." It's always interesting too. Like uh, some, I don't know that story about his brother, but it you almost. I jumped to conclusions in that like, Oh, my brother is this breather guy. And like, I don't know. I, I just, I just, I'm over, I'm over here doing real life. Yeah. You know, doing yeah. Exactly. Things. He's probably a real estate agent or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, but it's just insane to me that, you know, the universe is literally providing an AB comparison to say humans can do this. It has nothing to do with genetics, nothing to do with your upbringing. It has everything to do with your training. Mm-hmm. And we all are in control of how we want to train, how we want to be in day to day life. And I think like that shit, I don't want to say single handedly because I attached it to a lot of things, but the Wim Hof method really pulled me out of my funk and helped prime my mind once again. Cause I was all about this shit. Like when I was 330 pounds and then got down to like, I got down to like 170 at one point. I lost more than 100 for sure. Wow. Um, this is when I joined his Blood Runs Black. Mm-hmm. Right when I lost that weight, I got the offer to join ABRB. It's like every time in my life when something major happened, it's because I had primed myself for it beforehand. Mm-hmm. It's a weird thing to kind of think about, and it makes me want to constantly be priming, you know? But had, had you been grasping for the thing Never. the whole time, yeah. like you, would, you might have eventually achieved it, but you might A, probably not have been as ready mm-hmm. as if you had just had your head down and been practicing right. and doing the work. Right. You know, uh, chopping wood, carrying water. Yeah. And... And then, and then you just pull your head up and you're like, everybody's like, Hey, you want to come over here and do this? Yep. Like, um, actually I, I think I'm ready to do that. Yeah, okay. dude, dig a well Let's before you need water. Right. Always. Right. That's, that's to me the, the biggest thing that I'm walking away from, from all these like weird fucked up experiences is just like, be prepared to be the right person in the right place at the right time. Do the fucking work. It has nothing <laughs> to do with just being there. Uh, 
so that reminds me of the my, my favorite one of my favorite Osho quotes. Uh, he says, uh, uh, "Be reasonable, expect a miracle." <laughs> right, and I, and I, I love and I, it, and I love that because that's the flip side of of things. We're always like, "Well, I'll pray for a miracle," you know, like because life is such suffering and such shit. Just the tone of your voice says everything. I'll I'll pray for a miracle, right? But like, but like, well, I woke up again today. That's miracle enough. Like most of my life, actually, miracle on top of miracle on yeah. top of miracle on top of miracle. And the, and if you really want to get crazy, like listen to freaking uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson expound about like the endless universe, and, and dude, you'll realize again. You know, ju- like, just the f- fuck Neil Tyson deGrasse and what he's saying. Fuck all of it. Yeah. Just the fact that he's saying words that you can understand through technology. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. The fact that you can hear us now and is, yeah. and you probably didn't download this podcast. Oh, yeah. You're streaming it. Yeah. And that's going to space and coming back. Miraculous. Come on. Miraculous. Miraculous. Yeah. I, yeah. I find that, dude, a dog shit on the sidewalk can be a miracle. Like, well, like, that, 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 so that's one of the things the I love. The smallest uh, things. Yeah. Like, uh, Alan Watts is always, uh, he's got so many great old school Zen stories. That's one of the mm-hmm. things I love about his lectures and his yeah. books is that he will recount Zen poems and, and uh, Zen philosophy that is kind of in a way like not very popular. I mean, it's popular, like the, the surface level of it is right. popular, right. but like the depth of that whole thing is, is, is really missed in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, part of what he tries to impart is that in his philosophy, after studying all these different uh, ways of looking at or uh, you know uh, at God or a, a God quality or a creation energetic quality uh, is that the, the the entirety of the the universe's like most intricate specialties and like like the most important things you could think of that would be that would exist in the universe right. also exists in the most mundane things yeah a, a candy bar wrapper on the street a you know a, a a pile of dog shit yeah like if 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 you stare at it long enough. If you, if you relax and, and don't try too hard, don't label it. Don't, don't yeah. yeah. We get out of the words. We get out of the labels, which is almost it's one of the hardest things for most Western minds. Oh yeah, and it's and it's not necessarily a a, a clearing of your mind. This is mm-hmm. the thing that I think that is interesting about meditation and people that are for anybody out there listening that like you know it's like thought about getting into meditation meditation and they tried it like oh I can't clear my mind. Yep. we'll stop doing that. Like like you know just it's just it's just about like. Uh, getting still yeah and witnessing and, that and witnessing witnessing what comes up because mm-hmm. the, the mind won't necessarily become clear anytime soon it's going to no. do its thing but if you just allow it to run its course and you keep and you keep bringing the focus back to your breathing that like it's it's a little it's a little microcosmic uh exercise to say okay i monkey mind is going to run yep. run run and i'm all these things that come up but every time i can catch myself i'll come back to just noticing the sensation of the breath over the nostrils right right and it's and, and you might have to do that 6000 times in 30 seconds that's okay okay you have to get dispassionate yeah. and 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 throw the judgment out the window about the thing and just 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 be there and just notice it and over time the intervals Get a little bit right, a little bit longer, right, a little bit longer. That's I, the when I picked up meditation again, and in, in this darkness that I just went through, it went from like, dude, I can't even do two minutes, to sitting there for forty-five an hour, yeah, and being like, what the fuck just happened, yeah, and what it feels like to me, and to me, it's easy to liken it to this because I, I'm on computers and recording shit so often, but it's like defragmenting <laughs> your computer. It's totally that you're sitting there just doing the work to like manage the trash in your head and see what's there and clear out the debris so that 
the clear mind that everyone is seeking for is just like when you open your eyes and you know what to do. Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily in that moment where you're like, wow, nothing's there. It's that you're just prepared for what you do right after. Yeah. Va- man, valuing space is, uh, is the, is the big frontier. I think like valuing space and stillness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it has been for a long time. It's just reoccurring because we we're, we're, we're encroaching uh, and we're filling up all the gaps, especially living in right. a city, yeah. uh, any city, anywhere, but like, especially in LA here, uh, there, everybody wants to, you know, fill in all the space and like, Oh, well that, you know, there's a field, there's a, there's a lot over there. Well, let's put something in it. That's you know? like, it's the macro micro of exactly what's going on in your head. Yeah. The yeah. clutter, the, and so every, yeah. not, not every second of every day has to be filled with social media or a thought process. You don't have to be productive every matter of fact, it's counterproductive to try to be productive at all hours of yes, the it day. Is. Yes, matter it of is. fact, here's the big, here's a big one for you folks out there that are like struggling with maybe uh, writer's block or, or, or like, you know, you're not, you're not being able to finish something mm-hmm. or a project. You need to take time and space away from it. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. Like, get out you need to walk you need to see sunshine you need to interact with other human beings that don't think like you yeah okay those stories will, <laughs> will turn into something inspirational that's right it'll it, it will undoubtedly come back on itself in a circle and you're gonna be like oh my god i took 15 minutes i took an hour away i took a day away from the thing and I would have never believed that I found the answer by by letting go of all of it mm-hmm. and just go, and going and experiencing something else, and then it brought me right full circle. Yeah, right back to the absolutely. Thing. I do this. I do this uh, writing exercise with my students that is very related to this, but it basically comes down to like when somebody feels like they have nothing to say or nothing to do or no inspiration. Mm. I literally just ask them to tell me exactly everything that happened in that day. Like we make a list of what happens Mm. attached with the emotional stuff that was connected to it. And then we disassociate from that. And I say, literally without thinking about it, just grab a note on your guitar. The very first string, very first fret you're drawn to. Now I want you to build a second note on that based on the way it feels. I don't want you to think about things you've done. Think about things you want to do. Just follow the way it feels. And we add a third note, sometimes a fourth. And what they've done is they've invented in that moment, a chord that correlates exactly to their day. And then from there, we get to use the list of emotions as like verse one, verse two, bridge, chorus, you know what I'm saying? Like, and it becomes unbelievably powerful for them to see that, like, I just need to exist today to have the information and the inspiration I need to create with. And I need to trust myself by just finding that fucking first note, because all you need is a spark. What is, you know, the largest forest fire in the world started from? fucking spark yeah you know if you can harness that shit by just being willing and open to do the work and be receptive to the muse you're good on anything you do in a day and i want to take uh i want you to move out here so i can take guitar lessons yeah from you, dude man. like <laughs> i mean you're, you're the guitar teacher i've been looking for <laughs> i i am i am weirdly spiritual with my students about this shit a lot of my guys come to me um I don't want to say for therapy. That's you know, I would never put myself but out there as that. it's therapeutic. It's absolutely therapeutic. Yeah. I'm helping them discover that they already are what they want to be. And it's a matter of doing the work to uncover it and continually building on it and not getting like complacent or not getting uh, bogged down in what you should be at this point in time. So many students, so many guitar players are battling the expectation of what they think they should be mm. versus like what you said, just accepting and being who you are yeah. and going with that. They say that the the great way 
is hard to see because it it's always it's always right there before you. Yeah. It's so close to you. It's so close. It's it's as close as the tip of your nose and yeah. and, and your hands. Like the great understanding, uh, is, and that's why it's hard to to understand because we almost look past it. Yeah. Uh, f- f- seeking the thing, mm-hmm. like what it, what what guitar and what strings and what gauge and and what amplifier and what plug-in, mm-hmm. um, and who's gonna produce, who's gonna mix, like and those are all relative and uh, reasonable questions at a certain point. But it's all doing, but it's all doing, and there's uh, if I can't uh, notice that I'm the generator, if I can't see that I'm the one that is. Uh, deciding mm. that this is good or this isn't good mm-hmm. or this is horrible and this is amazing, uh, and 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 that some of those things that I thought were horrible actually brought me amazing opportunities that yeah. I wasn't I couldn't see at the time. Like all the, the, this concept, then you know, it, it's it's more that inward work. It's that yeah. it's that kind of uh, I don't want to I don't want to. Convolute Shin Yi, but like the way, Not at uh, all. like the way I understand it, it's, it's an internal, uh, it's internal martial art. Yes, that you say exactly, and, and so there's an element of like, uh, you know, working from the inside out. That's exactly what right? it is. The name of my record, Inside Out. Oh, right, right. <laughs> hey, see, see, friends, full circle. Yeah, and that <laughs> that's that's my uh, pulling what was stuck inside of me, all the shit, all the darkness, all the fucking stuff I went through. And getting it out of me because in that alone is therapy. Mm-hmm. And that's the alchemy thing that I'm talking about. Like I use music as therapy, mm-hmm. you know, and I know it's a lame thing to say like, this is my therapy. Like anyone who says that is like, you should really see someone, dude. <laughs> but there's something so powerful about it, man. And there's something so cool about being, feeling like you're in the driver's seat, but knowing you're not in a cool way. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I love that like, that that sensation of just like letting go of the steering wheel, shutting the headlights off, and seeing what happens, you know? Yeah. I mean, not literally. That's fucking stupid, but. <laughs> no, but. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't yeah. advocate that. Kids, I, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. But I and and I would back up and say if you even have the uh, if you have the thought that you need to see a therapist, you should have your head examined. Yeah. Like, and that's a funny like way of saying it, but like truthfully, until you feel uh. To the point where you can kind of uh, march on your to your own beat, mm-hmm. uh, which sometimes sometimes and some of us really need a lot of uh, um, you know uh, uh, help uh, and and just just to kind of to see a, a way uh, uh, we need a mentor of sorts, yeah. right? You know, to make it work. And, it's important uh, to know yourself. Yeah, and for then, sure. You know, at, at some point, all those masters, all those teachers. Uh, if they're worth their salt at all, are going to point it back to you, and they're going to be say, and it's going to be self empowerment. Right. If they make them uh, themselves like make make you reliant on them, then it, the, then that's kind of one of the little things that you might want to be wary of. Like if if they say, "Well, I'm the way, yeah. truth, and the light," yeah. necessarily, you know, like, and this is the way you're going to find, uh, you know, like maybe consider that. Yeah, I don't they, take it with a grain of salt. I don't vibe with that guru shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, because you are you are you're imbibed with that with that energetic quality from the beginning, and I I mean, yeah, I could I could see why you would say that, but I <laughs> I the the concept of come to me for your answers, I think, is uh, immediately removing what people need from you. Right, you know, is like they need they need a mirror to recognize that they don't know what they want to know, and yeah, it's a very important thing to be able to be that mirror for somebody to reflect back, and like 
you know, circling back to what I was saying before, it's like really important to know yourself because these things I'm talking about, about how I was in a dark place and I decided to not see a therapist based on the fact that I couldn't. I only did that because I know myself and I know that, you know, I had guitar teachers when I was coming up. I had a couple from probably ages like 13 to 17 or 16. Mm -hmm. I never practiced what they gave me. Mm. I, I never learned anything metal from them. I taught myself everything that I use. So like I knew that I'm self-reliant. I could, I could lean on myself and be okay because of past experiences. Right. I wouldn't recommend that to anybody who doesn't feel that. But like, but like we were talking before, it's one thing to know yourself. And it's like even once, especially once you're down the road and you go, you still can find yourself out of sorts and, and building unnecessary quote unquote tension that you yeah. have to then relieve and come back to yourself. Mm -hmm. And there's an element of like, you, you need to go out and seek and, 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 and see that that's not necessarily the answer, but you have to, you have to go the long way. Yeah. You know, we, we have to really learn the lesson. Most of us have to go the long way. You're really lucky if you happen upon it and, and you, you find it within yourself early mm -hmm. on and you can find that barometer, that centerpiece for yourself. Uh, the Barack Obamater. Just kidding. The Barack Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I had to. No, it works. It works. <laughs> hey, well, um, we could probably do this for like six days straight. Yeah. Um, Did we talk about guitar at all? <laughs> like for like two seconds. Like, I'm sorry. No, 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 it's fine. That's what this is about. But like before, before we wrap it up, I, I definitely, I'm, I'm always stoked uh, on finding out what you're listening to. And so like, if there's anything that you could, could like, uh, if there's any artists that you could tell me about uh, that maybe aren't that well known or just like in, in your sleeve that you're like, or faves, I mean, yeah. there's there's a slew of people. I mean, right now, I'm sure everyone's talking about Steven Toronto. Dude. Did did Tosin talk about him? Yeah. I'm sure well, he, he just signed him too. Oh, well, I'm pretty sure he's like one of not the first, but he's one of the he's first. He's one of the first guys using those on a bossy concept. Yeah, those yeah. guitars are sick. Yeah. But Steven Toronto just blows my fucking mind. He's dude. legit. That dude is terrifying. I was well, when I first heard Helix Nebula, I yeah, was him like, and Jake are so sick, dude. I was like what? Like, why, why, why isn't this a big band? But then I realized they're from down under and that was kind of like, maybe there's always complications. Yeah. And That's, those, those guys are the session musicians for any dope Australian band. Right. They've kind of become like the wrecking crew for, for Australia. Dude. And it's really fucking cool to see. Like Jake is in his own right. Unreal. He plays with Pliny for those of you guys who don't know. Um, those guys are and fucking Simon. amazing. And Simon. Simon's oh my God. Like, the like producing the MVP, that he does. Man. Oh my, he's, he's like, uh. Nolly 2.0. Right, right. He's uh, and and what a nice guy. What a what a fun person to be around to. And he like he can hang with David Maxim and uh, David's one of my favorite dudes intervals too. And yeah. yeah, dude, David. Uh, oh man, who bit the moon? I think probably got the most playing time of any CD I've ever had. Dude, his Bilo Bilo or Bilo 3.0. That was the thing that did it for me. But I like all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I heard who bit the moon first and then went backwards because okay. I like. Like, dude, I, I just got into Game of Thrones recently. Like, I'm the guy who's like, when something's popular, I'm going the opposite direction. Yeah, I'm, I'm still not into it, but maybe it'll happen. Yeah, know. it'll it'll happen on your time, as it yeah, should. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm very much that kind of guy. Like, things that are popular, I'm like, well, the grain is for bitches, and I'm going to go the other way. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of just, like, finding my own sort of path and shit, but um, those tend to be the musicians that stand out to me. Like, David... 
is like a melodic genius and his production is just like levels ahead of anyone else who's doing home studio stuff. Yeah. And then there's Steven Toronto who just put out such a fucking incredible instrumental record. Love that record. Anything that he plays on Instagram, I probably watch a hundred times on repeat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah. just as, again, I'm not sitting there to learn the lick. I just want to watch how he moves because through osmosis, yeah. like I was saying before, I'm going to pick something up. Picking up on the energetic quality yeah. of the thing. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. by seeing it enough and ingraining it in my mind. Who is another fantastic person? Well, this person doesn't need any love because they're fucking huge, but Billie Eilish? Yeah. Uh, my her. girlfriend just showed me her and we've Dude. been listening to that record. It's just like how... That's the exact like color of music that I love. Yeah. And it's produced immaculately. They're doing stuff with vocal production that I used to mess around with on, with my old mm-hmm. band, The Fire Story, um, which never came to fruition. Okay. It was actually uh, Alex Lopez from Suicide Silence was supposed to be our drummer. Yeah, yeah. And shit just fell apart as uh, things do. Yeah. But um, yeah, like it's it's a lot of stuff that I've already been loving and playing with. It's doing this like minimal production. The God, her voice and her lyrics are just terrifying. Yeah, some of the some of the sparseness of the production is right? really kind of like again here. It's jarring again here. This is the thing I want to say to everyone again is that like, don't undervalue space. Yes, space is like actually what accentuates, mm-hmm. which gives uh, rise to the actual yeah. note, the actual notes, the actual things. Yeah. you know when you put a dope space in there, like that can be everything, dude. Uh, and sparseness is amazing. Space is the thing that allows a shape to exist. Silence allows sound to exist. Right. You know, there's just like with without one or the other, you are in a world of shit. And I think that there's something so, so powerful about like, like I, I use that all the time, like a really hard stop before like the second chorus might come around. Mm-hmm. I might even add an extra two beats to create more tension and anticipation. Sure. There's just so much to silence that I think is being used more now than it was. And I think that that's something that a lot of people are going to be getting hip to soon, especially based on people like Billie Eilish. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend said that she's 16 or something. She's so 14. Yeah. Some cr- it's just like, I mean, I, I'm not going to talk about, you know, she, she's probably a, a pop culture plant who's planted in to like be this huge thing. Cause she, her whole entire family is deep in the industry. Potentially. Yeah. Whatever. But who cares? Yeah. Like, no, that's, I mean, look, it's justified. It's, I can say this because it's you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one's <laughs> but, here. It's just us. But yeah, it's just us. Um, but like I, even the most, again, even that you can find the most uh, uh, like interesting things and in the most mundane or like, like just because it came from a place that is maybe very intentionally looking like, okay, Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. We all know that was geo-engineered for us oh yeah for, for a certain demographic of people every piece of nostalgia that should be there was it was there right yeah. and i still love it yeah i still think it's great like oh. there's so many and Spoon there's a couple fed. of bands now it doesn't always work because what was that band that sounded like zeppelin recently like, oh oh greta greta van fleet yeah didn't work but ghost but ghost works that's worked yeah even though i'm i i'm still coming around to that i'm in the same boat as you but i but i I'm closer to that yeah. than I am the Greta Van Fleet thing, right? For Greta sure. Van Fleet thing just feels so contrived. Uh, try hard. Yeah, really, really try hard. Yeah, it's Make not. It it's not. So you, li- so you can't grasp the energetic quality mm-hmm. thing because you guys aren't. You don't really actually have the Zeppelin yeah. thing. Sorry, you just I mean, don't. I'm. I'll, I'll be honest as fuck, man. Like the band that I'm playing with right now, Ice Nine Kills. Yeah. That's an. That's a curated ingredient list. Sure. You know what I'm saying? It's like. 
we are a horror movie themed band that dresses like horror characters on stage and all of our songs are about horror movies. That's yeah, a narrow audience and people that you, you're looking for. You would think that and say that, but from touring for the past 10 years, hmm. I've never seen a wider demographic in my fucking life. Interesting. We have ages 5 to 70 mm-hmm. coming to our shows. That's cool. I've never seen that in my <laughs> life, dude. We have people who are, you know, diehard metalheads to rock radio people to ICP. It's like yeah. I've never seen. I see. I just said ICP on on air. I feel you terrible. Did. Yeah, it's okay. Can we delete that? I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> not possible. <laughs> yeah, dude. But it's just like based on the fact that it's like spoon fed, curated ingredients is something that either will drive people insane or it's going to speak so directly to them and be so just easy to digest that it works. Well, and I it's think a fine line. It kind of speaks to the to me like in marketing like working with, you know, the Dunlop crew and yep. EMG and all these things throughout the years. It's like any time that we try to make a product that was for everyone, like it kind of it almost always, not always, but a lot of times it'd fall flat, dude. In you're and like, out. You're like it's great for country music and shred metal, and everybody's like, nope. I don't want it. Yeah. Like, but the moment you say, for example, like we we made super bright bass strings, we're like, this is for funk soul slap bass players. Nailed it. That's it. That's all. This is just for you guys. And then all these metal dudes and all these rock dudes, are like, but uh, like I want that type of yeah. I mean, I. I Everybody bought them. Dude, my, Everybody bought them. You know? my, my mind is immediately like, if you look at Denny's menu versus In-N-Out. Right. Oh, my you have, God. You have, you have two options at In-N-Out, or you will be reading a menu for three days. Yeah, you can have anything you want, or just the thing that we make. Yeah, and yeah. nine times out of ten, In-N-Out's going to take the lead. I mean, obvi- we all know Denny's is a larger fucking company, but yeah, I, guess it but does, I think yeah. In-N-Out is probably more got more fanfare more more diehard i will kill you if you don't agree with oh, in and out sure. being the best for sure well and that and i th- that's that also speaks to what a burger sucks by the way <laughs> what a burger sucks uh <laughs> the it also speaks to the concept of uh especially in a, in a in a complex age of uh option uh paralysis that yes. is available yes. right? like give me all these options and it's gonna take me like netflix is a fucking problem bro like we all talk about it, we're like, you know, I, I, I spent hours looking through. Stuff. I have bailed more nights than I can count after just looking for something. Oh I'm like, I'm too God. tired now. I've yeah. been looking for an hour. Yeah, dude. Because <laughs> there's too many things to choose from, and I'm like, how do I? How do I actually feel tonight? I should have waited to get stoned till after till after I chose. Yeah, something. <laughs> yeah, dude. Fuck. But, um, you know, it's, it's so real. Where where like, and I feel it the same way with like amplifiers. Like I'm a fan of like. As least as many controls, right? Like, give me a few knobs, yeah, and 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 set the thing up where it's hard to sound bad, you know. Like, make it easy for me to make two, one or two choices. Man, just done. my my shift from playing Music Man guitars mm-hmm. to playing Kiesel guitars. Mm-hmm. Holy fuck, that's exactly what it is. It was too many knobs that I would never fucking use. Oh yeah, my tone just sounded like anyone who plays a fucking Music Man, and I could point that out in two seconds. Whoever plays one, yeah. It's a JP 90% of the time. Yeah. And then I go on Kiesel and there's just, it's just so minimal. And all of a sudden I'm actually changing my tone. I'm actually finding unique mm. placements for my, for my dials that it's, it's usable instead yeah. of being like, can I mix all of these types of food? Like, can I have Mexican Korean burger bread? Like <laughs> the fuck did you just order? Like, yeah. Or I mean, just, 
Tacos. It's Tuesday, bro. Yeah, just eat tacos. Just eat tacos. Like yeah, you like, don't need to put gefilte fish in there. No, it's not. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, I, I get that. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that the options can be can be enticing. That's mm-hmm. why fractal uh, axe effects and Kemper's abound. Kemper and, baby. Yeah, and I can't I can't argue. I, I I like all of them for their for what they um you know have to offer. Absolutely. Yeah. I I think that circling back, I think that there's something to be said about the bands who hone in on a particular ingredients list mm-hmm. that are clearly designed to hit the masses. But when they put it together right, it's that in and out menu. You know what I'm right. saying? And people, I think, flock to that. And I, I'm saying this as a complete outsider stepping into this new band all of a sudden, but like Ice Nine Kills is one of the best at doing that that I've ever fucking seen. Yeah. Like we we were on this tour and Florida, we weren't allowed to play the House of Blues because Disney decided that we were too evil for, for children. Wow. So the day after that, we created twoevilforchildren.com. <laughs> And released t-shirts of like Mickey Mouse cutting his throat open or like Goofy with the Freddy Krueger glove. And we sold thousands of these within minutes. (laughs) I believe And we had news broadcasts all over about it. It's just like the business mind and the ability to like know what the demographic is. Sure. Is just unbelievable to me. And the team behind this band is just flawless. We've got so much stuff in the future that it's just I'm I'm really happy to be a part of of this new team and see where it goes. That's cool, man. Congratulations on the gig. Yeah, it's it's a weird one, dude. I mean, on multiple levels. Yeah, it's yeah. very fucking <laughs> weird. And like, dude, dude, like again, saying this from an outsider looking in, they sold twenty thousand records first week. Damn, that's not happening in metal no, anymore. It's no. just fucking not. Like, I don't even know if like Five Finger Death Punch is like getting numbers that sick. I, I Prob- don't. Probably, I don't know. Probably. But the fact that you would say probably means there's a little bit of maybe not yeah. and a little bit of like. Maybe that's what they got, I and mean, the fact that we're—I remember—I remember like uh, the last Polyphia record, which is they got uh, like eight k, right? They got like ten k in that's the first insane. week. Yeah, so it's like fucking insane. So they're 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 changing a game, yeah. You know, obviously. And uh, was this when they introduced the hip hop thing? This is the last record. Yeah. this is like new levels, new devils. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. It was like matter of fact, the first episode of this podcast was, was with Polyphia. them yep. the week that that dropped, dude. Uh, but like ten k that week, and so for an instrumental. That's uh, insane. Met, uh, an instrumental guitar boy band yeah. that is like, you know, <laughs> that is just constantly shit posting and uh which I'm actually such a fan of. Like a lot of people they get a lot of shit because uh people don't understand them. Yeah. If if you get any time with any of the guys, you're probably going to be won over cuz they're really nice dudes. Yeah. And uh and if, and the fact that they're that nice and that funny and uh that's smart. Phenomenal guitar players. Yeah. To be honest, like their 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 arrangements are are killer. And, and I'm 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 a huge like I've I've said this whether I'm saying business or Jew jokes like I'm very drawn to the way that business is run with bands because being being in a smaller band, my first band, Fallen Figure, we almost got Brian Slagle wanted to sign us to Metal Blade uh-huh. a bunch of years ago. If anyone doesn't know, Brian Slagle found Metallica and Slayer and shit. Yeah. So this was like a really big fucking deal. Um, they wound up signing. Whitechapel in lieu of us because we turned down the Whoa. deal, which was fucking nuts. So I come from like being in a shitty business run thing because we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. And then right around that time, I got asked to join ABRB, which was a business mess. And now I'm stepping into this thing and I'm like, I'm always paying attention to that stuff because to me, the inner workings of a band, the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, the personalities of the members, mm. that stuff goes the distance. And all you have to hope is that the audience chooses you because there's really no, 
obviously there's ways to inject yourself and force yourself onto people, but the audience has to be receptive yep. to something that's out of your control. And I don't know. I'm just, I'm just very drawn to the inner workings of stuff. I think that's a really big part of why I'm doing bands again. Cause I, I swore this shit off when my mom got sick. I was like, dude, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be studio guy, write music, do lessons, mm-hmm. being home and being stable is something that I'm very drawn to. And, uh, yeah, you, you sometimes you set these goals for yourself and then you're living the goals without reassessing what you want next and you're just kind of living the same day-to-day life over and over again. And right. if you ask yourself like, holy shit, like I've, I've done the thing, what's next? Yeah. I think it's really important to like reassess and, and totally. come up with a game plan and come up with a way to achieve those things. And sometimes all you have to do is prepare your mindset and, and op- opportunities come your way. Yeah. I feel like that's, that was my case at least. Yeah, I like that. It sounds more like uh, making space for the thing, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. clearing it out and uh, seeing what what is to come. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you sitting down and uh, and and spending uh, like a big chunk of your day with me today, oh, dude. dude. It's my fucking honor to be here. I would have come if you didn't hit record on accident the whole time. <laughs> I would have done this whole thing. Yeah. No, I know we would have done it anyway. Yeah. But uh, let's uh, let's wrap it. Let's. Do you brought that sick joint? Players Pick Podcast Picks and Perspective with Chris Johnson Peace guys, love you This episode of Players Pick Podcast Brought to you by our good friends At Jim Dunlop Guitar Products Kiesel Custom Guitars Mackie Headphones and Mixers Sound Design by Drew of the Drew And voiceovers by the amazing Mini Joe Thanks for listening Until next time.